This is Health Dose, a conversational podcast that focuses on topics that impact your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Today, we're going to talk about what some people call the winter blues. We're talking about a topic that commonly affects people in the wintertime, particularly those in snowy states in the north, like Michigan. Seasonal Affective Disorder, or SAD. Michelle Lucchese is a therapist at MidMichigan Medical Center Gratiot's Psychiatric Partial Hospitalization Program. Health Dose asked Michelle, what is seasonal affective disorder? And is it the same thing as depression? Well, I would say that seasonal affective disorder is a type of depression. There are several different types of depression. And seasonal affective is a type of depression in which a person has depressive symptoms starting specifically when the sun starts to not be as strong in the fall, in the autumn, and continuing throughout the winter during those dark days when there's not a lot of sunlight. So it's a kind of depression, but does it have the same kind of triggers that depression has? Well, it has a very specific trigger, and that is the decrease in the light that happens in the autumn and in the winter in the northern climates. It's the reduced sunlight that seems to be the trigger, the primary trigger for seasonal affective disorder, as opposed to other types of depressions that might have a wide variety of different triggers, both emotional and physiological triggers. Seasonal affective seems to really be connected to the decrease in sunlight. And am I understanding correctly, there's an increase in the instance of seasonal affective disorder as you go north, away from the equator? That would be true because there's less sunlight. So any location where there is less sunlight during the winter months, you would have increase of seasonal affective disorder. What are some of the signs and symptoms of SAD? Seasonal affective disorder, like other depressions, might very well include things like loss of interest in activities, inability to concentrate, irritability, fatigue, an increased need for sleep. It might also include things like weight loss, difficulty sleeping, decreased appetite, and just feeling blue or down or sad excessively. Those are the kind of the general symptoms of seasonally effective. Is there a way that a clinician can tell the difference between garden variety depression, if that's a thing, and seasonal affective disorder? It would be the pattern. Usually you would look at the pattern of the depression. If a person has only had one episode of depression, there's no way to see a pattern. But if a person has had depression repeatedly in the autumn and in the winter, then you would basically say that that pattern of affective disorder tends to follow the seasons, then it would be a seasonal affective disorder. So in order to correctly diagnose SAD, a person would need a long history of their Um, feelings, of, of their condition? Right, at least a couple of seasons. I think that it could probably effectively be diagnosed after maybe two years where they noticed that at the same time. A person might suspect it the very first time, but you really can't diagnose it until there's a pattern of it happening during the decreased sunlight. Are there some populations that are more likely to be affected by SAD than others? Women tend to be affected more than men, but that's not to say that men can't be. Female adults tend to be the most frequently affected, though adolescents and men can also have seasonal affective disorder. Is there any truth to the suggestion that maybe men don't suffer from SAD as much because they don't report it? Oh, of course. That's always a possibility. Overall, the women tend to report lots of mental illnesses more than men do. And that might be true. It might be a reporting issue or it might be something connected to hormonal or chemical issues. 
we're not exactly sure. So outside of my doctor telling me I need to move to Arizona, is there any treatment that I can get for seasonal affective disorder? Well, because this is a type of depression, all of the treatments that are effective for depression can be effective for this. But the most significant one is the light box. It has discovered quite a few years ago that if a person spends time during those dark winter days under a therapeutic light box that it can help with the mood. So the therapeutic light box, it's a lamp or a light box that has very high spectrum, full spectrum light, similar to the sun. So it helps people get the wide range of light that helps to increase the mood. And they say that you can get these lamps in different strengths. They say that the best, kind of your goal is to get a light box that has about 10,000 luxes. Now, a lux is the measurement that they use for the strength of the light. But you can get less ones, too. They used to be cutting-edge technology and were quite expensive. But in the last 10, 20 years, they've really come down in price and are much more affordable than they used to be. So what a person would do with the light box is they would spend time with the light box every day. Generally, it's recommended that they use it in the morning, like when shortly after the sun would be rising. That's when your body wants to see that sunlight. You spend 20 to 30 minutes with it, and um, you can just about do anything. You could read, you could cook, you could do anything underneath this light. As long as it's on your eyes, you don't want to look at the light, but using the light as a direct lighting for what you're doing will help. The contact of that full spectrum light on your eyes tends to help with chemical production in your body. The light box is good for anybody. I mean, there's no negative side effects from using a light box. Oh, no, not at all. And I know quite a few people who um, get the light boxes preventatively. I mean, they may have not had any of those types of symptoms, but they decide that they want to make sure that they're not going to. So you can get the light box or the lamp. I mean, you can buy them. Sometimes they are in an actual box. Sometimes it's simply a lamp, a full spectrum lamp. They even make these that have a simulated sunrise, which they will gradually get brighter. You can time them. You can set a timer so that they will turn on and you'll have a sunrise in your bedroom to help you wake up in the morning. And a lot of people use those kind of preventatively throughout the winter just to make sure that their mood's going to stay stable throughout all those long, dark days. And you said the important thing is that it is 10,000 or more lux. Was that the number? That's the recommendation. I mean, you can get them less than that. To be effective less than that, you just need to spend more time with it. So if you got something that was 5,000, you know, you might want to have be under it for an hour instead of a half an hour. So that's kind of the recommendation. So my little Verilux light that sits on my desk here is going to, is it, what, is it working on the serotonin receptors or, or what, what's going on in my brain when I use this light? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of connections there. It has to do with both melatonin, serotonin, and dopamine. There's connections between all of those. The serotonin is the one that's considered kind of the neurotransmitter that is related most directly to mood. It's one in a chain of connections. And melatonin, which is most frequently connected to sleep, is one of those precursors. So this is why the darkness tends to impact it, is that we know that when things get dark, our melatonin goes up. 
And that's part of what tells us to sleep. And while we're sleeping, then it creates this kind of serotonin thing. But for some reason, we have to have that connection with the light to be able to make the serotonin effectively. That whole chain of neurotransmitters and hormones are interacting in this process. At what point do I know that I need to talk to a doctor or therapist if I think I'm suffering from SAD? Yeah, people can take care of a lot of mild symptoms on their own using the light box, but also general good lifestyle choices, you know, with lots of exercise, spending time outside, staying socially connected, all those types of things. But there definitely should, you should look at professional help when you start to notice that the symptoms are starting to interfere with your life. An extreme example of this would be thoughts of suicide. If a person starts to have suicidal thoughts, they definitely should be reaching out for some help. But also things like feelings of worthlessness. Feelings of worthlessness are not a part of the normal ups and downs of our everyday mood swings. And it's also not part of a, what we might consider a grief process if a person is grieving. So if you have feelings of worthlessness, that would be another example of a symptom that would suggest you should be seeking professional help. Also, if they start to interfere with functioning as far as being able to complete all the tasks that we need to complete in the day, make it to work, make it to your class, keep your house up and cleaned and keep your body cleaned, your hygiene, those types of things. If you notice those types of functionings starting to decrease, definitely should be asking for some professional help. That is Michelle Lacazy, a therapist at MidMichigan Medical Center Gratiot's Psychiatric Partial Hospitalization Program. As always, if you have health concerns, the best place to start is your primary care provider. If you need help finding a primary care provider, go to midmichigan.org doctors. And to learn more about MidMichigan Health's mental health services, go to midmichigan.org slash mental health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Thank you so much for listening. Check back again soon for another episode of Health Dose.